everybody, and thank you for joining us for another edition of Varying Viewpoints. My name is Dr. Leah Hollis, and I'm a senior scholar here at the Samuel DeWitt Proctor Institute for Leadership, Equity, and Justice. And I have the pleasure today of speaking with Dr. Raquel Nunez, who is an assistant professor of law and education policy at the Link School of Education and Human Development. And she's also an assistant professor by courtesy at the College of Law at Boston College. Thank you so much for joining us today, Raquel. How are you? Pleasure to be here. Very excited. Wonderful. So today we are going to talk about work-life balance. And when I had met you earlier this summer, I was quite amazed at your story and thought it would be a wonderful thing for listeners to learn about and your success and balancing a number of things. So could you share with us how you inherited an immediately large family during your time in graduate school? Back in 2014, I began law school and um, I had moved at the time from Texas to Pennsylvania uh, for law school. So I was able to finish out my my first year in the law school. And then, you know, during the summer, you often do a um, either clerkship or some sort of summer work related to law. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time, um, some of the opportunities that came up were back in Texas, uh, where my family, most of my family currently still resides And uh, so I took the opportunity um, in part, you know, because it allowed me to um, be close to my family for the summer. I was living in Pennsylvania, kind of um, in the cold and lonely away from uh, the Texas summer. And so um, when I went down there, um, I had an opportunity to see them again. Uh, But it had been a couple of rough years uh, for my family um, because um, I'm the oldest of seven. And our mom had passed away in 2012. So it had been about two years uh, by that point. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, it was a couple of rough years for my younger siblings, for myself as well, but particularly for my younger siblings um, who had lost uh, their mom. And it was a little bit of a rocky time. And so at that point uh, during that summer, once I connected with them again, um, I decided that it made the most sense for them to join me in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And so they did. Uh, so those were my, I said I'm the oldest of seven, but at that point, the three youngest ones uh, were the ones who were, um, you know, needed the most support. The other ones were a little bit older. And mm-hmm. so the three youngest ones um, came to live with me in Pennsylvania And so I always say I went from uh, zero to four kids because the three youngest ones joined me. And then I was also pregnant uh, during that summer. And so uh, by December, I had four kiddos. Um, And then at that time, I was basically starting my my doctorate as well. So 2015 uh, was definitely a a year of transition and a lot of, um, you know, learning and adjusting with four kids as I was continuing my law degree and starting my doctorate since I ended up doing them jointly. Wow. And what were the ages of all the children once you, once you assumed uh, stewardship of them? Yeah. So uh, what was it? I don't even recall the ages specifically at this point, but 
they were going into first grade, uh, fifth grade, and sixth grade, and then I had my my newborn. Um, so they were definitely, um, you know, young. Yeah. So how did you manage four children while tackling graduate school, and what strategies did you use and find helpful? Yeah, I think that um, I can't express enough gratitude for the people um, in my life that really, you know, showed up and were so incredibly helpful. Um, I had uh, colleagues, friends uh, who were, you know, helpful from anything from watching my little one while I was in class to picking them up here and there if I really was on a bind. Uh, to professors who went out of their way to look for um, either funding opportunities um, or, you know, scholarships that were coming through. And so a lot of support, I think, was um, my saving grace at the time. And, um, you know, I'm glad that I still uh, keep in touch with them. Mm -hmm. I'm forever grateful uh, because, you know, it's really rough. It's really rough to be a parent, period, but it's also really rough to try to do it while also trying to complete your graduate studies. Uh, there's a lot of uh, pressure that comes from, um, you know, completing a law degree, completing a PhD all on its own. And then when you add uh, the additional family demands, it can become quickly overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So I think that I found most useful, you know, really, uh, leaning into the support uh, that I was that I was feeling that was being offered at the time. And I think, you know, as a independent woman, or I think a, a lot of us women of color are often, uh, you know, go getters, and it, it can be hard sometimes, right to feel like, oh, goodness, like I have to rely on so many kind of support systems, um, you want to be able to do it on your own. But I think I learned through the process just how uh, important it, it was and how helpful it was for me at the time to just take it in and really, really appreciative of all those who really came through at the time. Wow. Great. Well, and then I know you, of course, had expectations of yourself going through graduate school. How did you manage your family's expectations? You've now become mom to your three youngest siblings and the rest of your family must have had some expectations of you as well. It was really tough of a transition um, at the beginning. And I, I still feel like I'm like learning even now that I'm post, you know, graduate school, I continue to learn uh, how to manage those expectations. Um, one thing that I, that I have found helpful with time is this analogy of like the, the different balls that we juggle. And I don't just mean, you know, we juggle multiple balls, but rather of, of thinking, I like to think about the different balls as the representing the different demands, like my family expectations, my, um, at the time, graduate school expectations, and considering like day by day, which are going to be the most important uh, commitments and demands for the day or week, you know. And um, realizing that most of my energy must be concentrated in that, right? And that that might mean that some other uh, quote unquote balls might fall um, at the moment uh, and that it's going to be okay. And so 
what I what I think about is like some of those balls are crystal balls, right, for that day. And so mm-hmm. I want to make sure that those crystal balls receive my full attention and that I'm giving my A game to that and realizing that the other ones might be rubber balls for that day or week and that maybe some of those are going to fall. I think it's just also the realization, honestly, that, um, you know, as, as humans, we just simply have multiple demands and can can meet them all at the level that maybe we would want to all the time, right? It can become really exhausting. So lots of uh, shifting of priorities, lots of uh, reflection and thinking through what do I prioritize? What deserves my full attention at this moment, this day, this morning, and so on and so forth. And then learning to, for me, it's like a lot of like learning to let go and to know that I can't do everything um, with the multiple demands, especially my family expectations that I do have. Did you, I know you had mentioned you had supports with some friends and faculty who were picking up children or, or helping you manage that. Was there anything that you found with faculty, both either in law school or the graduate program? Absolutely. Um, I found a lot of support, um, particularly from uh, the education faculty. Um, So I was at Penn State at at the time, and my advisor, I have to give her a shout out, um, Mindy Mm -hmm. Kohlieber, she was just extremely proactive and um, supportive when I was in the program. So she connected with me even before I started, once she knew that I had applied. And we had very candid conversations about like, what are the actual needs that that I was anticipating uh, beyond like, you know, the program, the typical program of study discussion, the course load, all that. It was more about, you know, holistically, where are you at? Like, what are the, uh, you know, demands and needs that you have around uh, being able to pay the rent, Mm-hmm. Being able to go to the doctor, being able be able to um, find uh, childcare and schools for the children, and so um, I said this before. Like I can't thank her um, enough for that because it wasn't only the conversations that often then uh, led to like her reaching out to other offices, her reaching out to key point people that um, then helped me with those additional issues that were coming up and so it was her for sure and then the the faculty at the education school generally I found them to be um you know really supportive like they also became part of that network that was there to help out um law schools I feel are a little are structured a little bit differently um but I did, I did have a couple of professors at the law school who were incredibly uh, supportive and were also actually in contact with the education faculty and with Mindy at the time. And so through like collaboration, they came up with very creative uh, ways to be supportive. Um, so, you know, forever grateful to the faculty at the law school who were there as well. So, yeah, I... I cannot stress enough just how I felt like they really went above and beyond in the support that they provided. So I'm sure with four mouths to feed, there would have been some financial challenges. 
could, did you have such financial challenges? And if so, could you explain and share solutions that worked for you as you raised your posse? (laughs) (laughs) Goodness, were there financial challenges? Yes. Um, that that is uh i think i recognize that that is a general concern often for students um when you're living on living on a stipend or you know having to patch together different uh job opportunities so i was definitely definitely uh stressed over that um i was uh extremely lucky at the time in terms of the financial support from the law school, I had a, a full tuition merit scholarship. So at least I didn't have to worry about that part. But the living expenses and, um, you know, the day to day, right, like having to buy groceries for four kids, having to pay that rent, all of that uh, became, um, you know, overwhelming at the time. So, um I was working, so that that is obviously something that helped out a lot. I I had to work um, twenty, then it, then it became more than twenty hours, and so you know whatever I could to piece together and to make those payments. The other thing that was incredibly helpful, uh, back to the the College of Ed, we had a financial aid office um, that again was in contact with my advisor, was in contact with the other. A network of faculty who were really helpful. And we talked about different like scholarships that might, um, you know, help with living expenses and the like. And so I did, I did receive uh, substantial support to help, um, you know, even out some of that. Obviously, there's still a lot of, uh, you know, for those who have like large families, like, you know, raising four children is expensive. So <laughs> I'm not saying that we were living the life by any means, but it did help a lot. Um, and, you know, at the time as a student, because the focus is on trying to finish those degrees as well, uh, there's only so much that I could do, right? Because I, I was pretty sure that I wanted to finish both and be able to be in a better position to provide for my family. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you for sharing that. And in the midst of all of this, how did you take care of yourself? What kind of self-care strategies could you share with our listeners? Okay, this is a great question because I feel like it's one of those that I've only become a little better with time. Um, at the time, I think, you know, because of the multiple demands, um, I had to maybe not have the self-care that I would have wished I had. I was very, very focused uh, on finishing, on taking care of the kids. So you could imagine I'm like running around, right? Like picking Mm -hmm. the kids, dropping off kids, working on homework, uh, working on my own homework, working with them. So it was quite chaotic, I I think. And so self-care... Uh, became a little bit secondary. Um, And I do not know that uh, there was maybe a different way to go about it, to be frank with you, just because of the multiple demands. Um, But I think my main takeaway from that time is, you know, the, the importance of making that time, if at all possible, even if it's just like 30 minutes or so, um, with time, it really did take a toll on my health. So 
um, you know, so again, I wish I could say, you know, I regret doing, putting it second place at the time, but I, to be honest with you, I, it's so hard to say that just because I don't know that there was any other way. Like I had to complete what I had to complete. And so, um, but today I do think that, you know, I have become a lot more intentional about it and I've become, um, intentional about what I eat. Uh, so, you know, now I've been able to like consult with my doctor and dietitians and all, all of that to get a good sense of, you know, what's best in terms of uh, diet for myself, but then also the exercise and also the mental health piece. But in a way, Lee, I feel like, unfortunately, that that becomes like a luxury, right? For some of uh, many of us who as students are like trying to manage multiple demands and you might not have the access to healthcare and mental health uh, care that that frankly you should, but you don't at the time. So yeah, I feel like the intentionality and the unlearning and allowing myself to just um, rest has become, sometimes feels a bit of a luxury, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do try to be more intentional. Um, I like to think that, you know, now I think about the situation a little bit differently. I'm like, well, I have to be okay to be able to take care of others, right? And that helps me, I think, prioritize it a lot more. Mm-hmm. Understood, understood. And it's something also with so many of us when we go on the tenure track. So now that you've graduated and finished law school and your doctorate and you're on the tenure track at Boston College, is there anything specifically that you've added as part of your self-care strategy? Yeah. Now, yeah. Now you're on tenure track. Yeah. yeah that moved quickly um so I graduated in 2018 and then I started this position here at Boston College um and have been here um ever since it's a I think it's a different type of um you know rhythm and demands of work and so but very similarly at the same time it can eat up your time right academia can really and I say this to my students like it can really take and take and take if you allow it to. The work never ends. And so I feel like uh, one of the things that I've added in terms of self-care um, is learning to set those boundaries just a lot more intentionally, uh, like learning and, and being really intentional about what you say yes to, what you say no to, um, to really protect that time that is you know, required of a tenure track job at an R1, I think that um, otherwise we can burn ourselves down, right? Mm -hmm. And and that then brings its own set of challenges. So I think the boundary setting um, is something that I've been a lot more intentional about um, adding now. And I feel like it's a learning process, honestly. Um, I don't think that I'm like (laughs) there yet, but I have to take it one day at a time. I think I'm doing pretty good, pretty okay. When you're conducting your research, how are you managing your large family? I'm assuming if I'm doing the math, one has probably graduated and and moved on perhaps, but how are you conducting your primary research and you have this courtesy appointment in the law school and you still have a large family? 
How are you balancing those new responsibilities as a tenure track professor? My oldest is now a freshman in college. And the one right after is a senior. So she's getting ready uh, to go off to college. Then I have an eighth grader and a second grader. So um, lots of work um, required, you know, to be able to raise all of them and manage the house. So I think uh, one thing that I found helpful now in my fifth year, mm-hmm. I'm in my fifth year, um, is to protect my time for research the same way that I would protect and respect uh, time for other meetings and commitments, right? Mm -hmm. I think it can become a little bit easy to, you know, when you're scheduling time for research, like, okay, I'm going to do research from or work on my research from nine to 12 um, every Monday or, you know, whatever the day might be, it can become easy to um, not necessarily honor it or, you know, or put other meetings there if other things come up, uh, because the only accountability system that you have there is yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas for teaching and other meetings, there's the accountability system of all the other people involved. And so I think one way that I'm finding that that I'm able to manage it a lot better is by honoring those time blocks the same way that I would honor other commitments. And again, it's it hasn't necessarily like come easy at the beginning, but now I'm in my fifth year and I feel like now I have a lot more, um, more discipline in that area. Mm-hmm. Great. No, that's, that's, that's important how to balance all that stuff. And you've also been able to balance in more self-care. I think you were saying as well as your, do you have the same approach now that you're out of school with uh, set times to exercise or to prepare meals or, or are those other things? There's, I think about a sociological study that talks about when we as women are, have so many things to do, we outsource things like cooking or cleaning or do you use those strategies as well? Yeah. So um, I, a couple of things came up as I'm, as I'm hearing you um, talk. So I have found the setting particular times and not trying my best not to deviate from those to be really helpful. So as you're saying, like, I'm going to exercise every day from six to seven, and then trying to kind of stick to that um, is, I think, helping me in in manage schedules and in managing demands. But the outsourcing, I think, is also um, a really important point that you're bringing up. So uh, for the Cleaning, for example, like I might have to like outsource um, that, right? Like the the general picking up our, after ourselves, that's kind of like something that we're doing daily, but maybe a more macro, deeper cleaning is going to have to be outsourced just because of time demands. It's just, mm-hmm. right? Uh, perhaps like picking up here and there, I might outsource um, that and have to pay. So um, I've had to do like a mix of both. Um, I do feel like, you know, as a parent, especially of a, of a large family, it can easily become overwhelming. Um, and you know, you, I feel like you need some order to try to attend to the multiple demands. So outsourcing for sure, whenever I can, 
is, is a big one. And then just sticking to those schedules that I try to set up for myself and then for my kids as well. Right. So sometimes, um, I, I try my best not to multitask because then I feel like I'm not doing a good job at either. Um, mm-hmm. But I do sometimes multitask. So for example, I take my kid to her ballet class and then while I'm waiting out there, I'm answering emails or doing um, reviewing manuscripts, you know, doing multiple things that I know that I can do while I'm sitting down out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not in the office. Um, sometimes you'll find me like taking phone calls as I'm, you know, going for a walk or so I do try to uh, multitask to the extent that I can, but it's just not realistic to think that I can, you know, finish out all the stuff. So this is where outsourcing does become really uh, critical and helpful. Understand. I know as I was on tenure track, I started using some of those meal kits and meal plans and, you know, those have, those have helped out. So Um, are there any additional things you could share with our listeners about the rigorous academic track and managing a large family? Um, no, I don't know that there's any additional things, but I would just want to kind of underscore, uh, the self-care piece that you mentioned before, especially for, you know, women of color who might find themselves in a similar situation as I did, you know, myself, a woman of color. Um, we can sometimes be expected to do a lot mm-hmm. and that can really, um, that if we allow it to, it can really, uh, either burn us out or, um, you know, our health might suffer. And so I would just, I guess, underscore the points that you made earlier about the, the importance of that self-care, which by no means is easy. I totally get it. And sometimes we can feel like it has to take a, a backseat, right? But um, it's just so important so we can have some longevity and, and do the stuff that we really love to do and take care of those around. One last question I might have. And with you balancing all of these things, so you're raising children, you're going to graduate school, and now that you've graduated, you're on the tenure track, are there any specific messages that you've given your children or sat down with them to engage them also in this process of raising the posse, if you will, anything you've done with, with them to help you with balancing these things? I feel like I've learned more from them um, than anything that I've told them specifically. You know, I've learned a lot about how unique each uh, experience is when raising any any one child, right? And so um, I feel like with time, one of the things that I've told them, but based on what I've learned from them, is um, just the the importance of uh, not trying to fit into a particular box uh, and to give them a lot more latitude and a lot more um independence while still supporting them, but a lot more independence so that they can come to be their own um, persons. And I think that has taken, you know, a lot of conversations, a lot of modeling that I try to do for them too. Um, it's just, you know, my, my hats off to all parents out there. It's, it's a difficult job and 
you know, I, I hope that uh, what my kids take away the most is just how important it is to be true to themselves and to, yeah, work hard, but never to the detriment of your health and to prioritize themselves. I think uh, that's sort of the, the key message that I try to signal to them, even if it's just through like modeling sometimes. Mm-hmm. Understood. Well, Raquel, I really thank you. I mean, when I met you in June, I was just so impressed. Not that you're trying to impress anybody with your story, but just everything it goes into parenting and the double degree law and your PhD and also uh, moving your family across country and remaining successful. So I really appreciate uh, your sharing your story and wish you and your large posse all the success and, and as they matriculate on to college. And I certainly would like to thank the uh, Samuel DeWitt Proctor Institute for hosting this podcast today. Thank you so much.